0: Good evening, everyone. It is Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope everyone is staying safe and healthy out there. Continue to keep themselves busy, keep your mind busy, listening to music, reading, whatever it takes. Hopefully this is over sooner rather than later. Of course, I'm talking about the COVID-19 stay-at-home order that's been issued for many states across the country and many countries as well. So I hope we, we all get through it together and we all move forward, whatever that is, and we enjoy what the new normal will be once that begins. My next guest is the current host of Little Stevens Underground Garage, the Michael DeBar program. How you doing, Michael? What's going on?
1: I was just thinking about the new normal, and, and i have never been normal, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to the new abnormal. Um I guess would be where I'm at right now. You know, I've never been—I've never been a big fan of
0: normal, Jay. What is normal though? I mean, normal is—is is to each their own, well, you right? Tell me, you use the word. I didn't use the word. Well, you tell me. What, what well, well is. obviously, it's in most your own personal normal is your is your own point of view. It's your own way of life. I guess there's you know social norms. You know that maybe. We were used to that. Maybe won't be like they were. I mean, large. You know, when you think about large gatherings. Do you, you think, think of...
1: our society is normal, right? And right now, no. With this, uh, with this uh, administration and the various regulatory vibes that are going around, do you think that's normal?
0: I do not think so. No.
1: No. Well, that's that's kind of where I'm coming from. Yeah. I think that this is a great opportunity to learn from what is happening because we are forced now to be on our own in in isolation there's nothing wrong with isolation All, all of the great mystics throughout time have discovered why we're on this planet when they were alone so i know that that's a very broad and sweeping sort of metaphysical vibe but the thing is it's true if we're forced to be on our own therefore we really and I know all of the things that have really come to me that have been meant anything, you know, ha- have done that, you know, and 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 hopefully one will meet somebody that you can then be alone with. Yeah. You know? So it, it's a very complex and yet somewhat simple uh, point of view. I, uh, during this course of my life, I'm learning a tremendous amount about myself. Yeah. You know? Think, um, and and I hope that you guys are too.
0: Yeah, I, I'm a firm believer in out something bad, something good always happens. And you know, the bad is we're all in our house and we we can't continue our regular daily lives. But the good is, like you said, you can discover new things about you. You can revisit things that maybe used to give you joy back in the day. Use this time to reconnect with those things or connect with new things that. You know, maybe you have been wanting to explore something and now is the great time. All you have right now is time.
1: Sure. Yeah, I, I'm fortunate in that I can, um, you know, work for my house, both during the radio program, program every day on Sirius and Channel 21, you know, with it, along with the other incredible DJs, Steven and created the station. Unfortunately, and, and I, I did it for my own studio, and in terms of music, you know, I collaborate with my guys. They have studios too. You know, we put a guitar on, we send it to each other, we, we critique it, or we accept it, and, that, and so on and so forth. So I'm still making music technologically, which is a real uh, interesting uh, situation. But more importantly, it's what are you thinking? You know, what what how are you dealing with it with your, yourself, You know, because when you left with nothing really. Uh, that you have to do, um, then you've got to think of something, well, uh, okay, so what am I going to do with this, with this fucking time that I have on my hands? And and that's, that's a big deal. I uh, After the last few weeks of being just in my house, you know, I'm a regular ru- um, workout guy and I can't go to the gym, so I run around the neighborhood. And so I discovered the joy of running. You know, and and for so once in my life I'm running towards something rather than running away from something. <laughs> you know. So it's it's that has been majestically spectacular. You know, of course I've got my mask and you know, and and all of that. And, um, but it's been fascinating. New things have come up without me even thinking, Oh, I gotta do new things. Well, new things are just manifested. It's the strangest feeling. You know, and of course I get, oh God, let me out, let me out. You know. Yeah, but, I've... I just stay to the ground. You know, I stay in. You know, I don't go to the big rock and roll parties, and you know, I don't do that anymore. You know, it's not, uh, it's not my thing at all.
0: Yeah, I've revisited my library of books that I've had on shelves that I've never read and i'm like you know what now's a good time to do all that now's a good time to read the books what that do I've you reading? Reading. i'm i just finished the phil linott autobiography cowboy song so i just finished that which was a tremendous on, on book what?
1: what what book phil linott
0: phil Leinett from thin lizzy the oh, co- phil the co-
1: biography How interesting yeah yeah, yeah from yeah. thin
0: lizzy the cowboy song the, the the autobiography that was written about i know, say about a decade ago Really great book, really kind of dive deep into Phil's life and to Thin Lizzy, and it was just a, a great read.
1: Yeah, he was an amazing guy. I knew him very well, and, uh, you know, we came up with around the same time, and, uh, and he was he was one of those guys that you absolutely knew was completely unique. You know, most people, the one that, you know, and I've been doing this since 1970, 72 is when I started all of this bollocks, um, and you could always tell, there were, there was two delineations of musicians. One, people who had something real and unique and authentic to say and sing. And two, the copyists, the tribute bands, they could be called something else, but essentially they were the Rolling Stones. You know, they were the Beatles, or they were the Hollies, or they were the this, or they were the that, Jimmy Hare. It was all sort of copying. They were like fans. But they had a band name. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. It's a very clear distinction between the people that were unique and created great, unique music and the people that followed their idols and, and, and made a career out of it. To this day, playing the music of Little Steve's Oakland Garage, we play music and artists that actually are authentically unique and original rather than you know playing popular music.
0: That was the interesting thing about Phil and his music that it came from a place. He had a very difficult childhood and it was an escape for him.
1: Well, and, who hasn't had a right.
0: difficult childhood? Did <laughs> but you it, have an easy childhood? No, I did not. No, no. It, well,
1: I could say to every single one of your listeners, it's very difficult. I mean, you, forgive me for jumping on you on this, but the thing is, is that, yeah, there's a, nobody has had a good childhood. Yes. Everybody is. You have to learn. What the world is, the world sucks, you know, and you have to kiss it and love it and love to deal with it. You know, I mean, it's the old thing about the artist has to suffer, you know, <laughs> and it seems to be true. But, um, you know, I, I, I think it's a specious argument to you know, to say, well, I, he had a tough childhood. Of course he had a tough childhood. He's a black guy in Ireland.
0: Right. Yeah, and and how you know, he found yeah,
1: that's not easy.
0: No, and how he found music as an escape and how he, you know, connected with different types of he was very stylistically too. I mean, he was very into fashion and very into being different because he was already different. So he he embraced that in his life and then he was exposed to folk music and, you know, some of the old uh, lore tales of, of Ireland and obviously the Stones and the Beatles and all that stuff and he kind of fused all that together and it just became this these magnificent songs and music that are just, you know, still still great today.
1: Yeah, he was a catchy writer. He wrote some catchy songs and then he was very cool. Springsteen loved him. You know, he was a huge, Springsteen was a huge fan of stuff. Phil, and it, who wasn't? Everybody knew Phil was brilliant. You know, um, and he went too young, he just went too young, man. Yeah. You know? and that's, that's the best that's the fucked up part of all of this. you know that uh, these youngins that topped themselves before they were thirty is it just breaks my heart
0: well we're I want to get into that with you um because I, I found something really interesting um about you that i didn 't know before, um, as I was looking at stuff for you know for the interview, but my first question, though, is the same for every guest that's new to the show, and that is the essence of the podcast, which is The Hook Rocks. And just like every rock fan has a moment that sucks them in, just like a great song with a hook sucks them in, a rock fan has a moment where either a band, a performance, a song, or album hook them on rock and roll. What was it for you?
1: Yeah, that that, that I don't really understand. Um what I happened to me was, and I can speak for myself, there wasn't one, you know, come to Jesus, come to Elvis moment. I was, was educated in boarding schools from the age of 8 to 16, and I never knew my parents. So I went never went back in vacation period to my home. I stayed in these schools, these Gothic schools. You know, my father was an aristocrat. He was very wealthy. He got busted. He went to jail. My mother was his fifth wife, and she was, shall we say, not sane. You know, she was schizophrenic. It's a, it's a funky story. The point that I'm trying to make is, when I was at school, I met this guy when I was students, um, when I was like 12, 13, and he turned me onto the blues. So I was listening to Sally Williamson and Lightning Hopkins and Lead Belly and Muddy Waters, all of that in little issues, very, very early. So it seeped into me. It it wasn't a, oh, wow, rock and roll. It was a a consequential time where I literally got drunk on the blues. And I'm a kid, you know, preteen. And I'm thinking, oh, this feels so good. So it was a gradual uh, birth uh, of my desire Type of music because initially I just wanted to act, which is what I did. You know, as a child, I, did, yeah, I don't know if you know anything about my career, but I was a child actor. I was into so with love, and that was my main focus, acting. But the music came to me through the blues. It wasn't a, as I said, some star came out of the sky with three chords in the truth and a martial lamp and a Les Paul. That's not how it happened to me, man. I got hooked slowly.
0: Now when you discovered the blues and you began to submerge yourself in that music, you know, how did it, how did it connect with you? Was it I mean, you mentioned that, you know, you had a difficult childhood and is one of the first things we talked about. Did that blues help you as a as a as a way of therapy get through certain things?
1: Well, music is music is therapeutic. It's very difficult to describe a feeling. You know, when you when you talk about strong music, I, I was more attracted to Otis Redding and uh, Little Rich and Chuck Perry and all of that than than any sort of white musicians. So, and I think there's a connection between the oppression of British society in the 60s was really so filled with hypocrisy and cruelty and the class system. And I think that people like me were, were thinking individualistically were looked uh, down upon, because you either conformed to the norm or you didn't, and I didn't. You know, I you know I had a funky childhood. It's a it's a long story, but uh, which I wouldn't you know get into at this point. But my documentary is coming out soon, and that 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 will explain what I did go through. A lot, a lot of stuff. So the blues, just what is the blues about? Sex, revenge, love, romance. And oppression, and I felt oppressed by the establishment, by the, by the system of the United Kingdom, which is isn't anymore. Of course, it's not a kingdom; it's a kingdom, and yeah. it's not united.
0: It's just interesting because you know I grew up outside of Chicago, so the a blues is is very prevalent in Chicago. I mean, guys like Magic Sam and oh, Otis sure. Rush, and and uh, you know just. Listening to that music growing up, of
1: Chicago Chess Records was in Chicago. Chuck Berry and the Muddy Waters. Chess, yeah, Records is the greatest label ever since it had Muddy Waters. And Muddy Waters, without Muddy Waters, you don't have the Rolling Stones. So obviously, you go to the, you know, that that formula for me. That's what I had learned was I didn't learn from the Rolling Stones. I learned how to, you know, wear velvet trousers from the Rolling Stones, but I didn't learn the music from the Rolling Stones.
0: Well, that was really big with the English acts back then, you know, in the UK, whether it was the Stones, the Beatles, of course, you know, Led Zeppelin, you know, they were all yourself influenced by the blues and they all, you know, you mentioned Sonny Boy Williamson, huge influence with Zeppelin as well. Um you know, sure. yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's just a great um, uh, form of music that really can touch a nerve because it it deals with well, a lot of It's
1: simple, yeah. It's simple, Jay. You know, it's very it's very simple music. So, what is it about? What does it become? About? It's about feel. You know, I was listening to who was I listening to this morning? It just blew my mind. R L Burnside, the great blues man, and I was listening, and it's one chord. He's staying on one fucking chord like John Lee Hooker. So when you're a kid and you pick up a guitar and you start bashing away on the TV, and suddenly you're making music, it's transcendent. Now the only people that were doing that were the blues guys, you know. Or British music was pop music, orchestral, you know. Watching a Pussycat, you know, uh, or or even earlier than that Sinatra, you know, Billy Holiday. Elvis, Gerald—all of that—brilliant, beautiful music, but nothing to do with the sexuality that was coming out of the '60s in England. You know, so it's an amazing, amazing thing just to walk down the street in London in 1964.
0: My son plays guitar, and you know, he of course he likes the guys like Eddie Van Halen and and uh, Jimmy Page and Jimi Hendrix, and he and he listens to all that. And I said, you got to peel back the orange. You got to go. Deeper. And he's like, What do you mean? I said, You're going to develop your own style. You're going to develop your own tone. You need to have that in your palette because it's not going to sound like someone else, but it's going to be your sound. But the more you put in, the more and better it will come out. So he started listening to all my blues records like John Lee Hooker and Buddy Guy and, you know, Chuck Berry and all that kind of stuff. And I, I've noticed over the last year his sound and his way he plays has changed too because he's been exposed to that. That's great.
1: Good very good dad.
0: <laughs> so there's a lot to get to. Um obviously, you know, there's the acting career, there's the music career, what you're doing now, you know, with little Steven's mm. garage with your own show on, on Sirius XM. Mm. When you In the 70s, when you're developing your music career, whether it's with with Silverhead or Detective, moving on to Checkered Past and your solo stuff, and you're also trying to build your acting career, what are the similarities of those two art forms and what are the the differences that you experienced?
1: Exhibitionism. I'm an exhibitionist. I like to show off. I don't care what it is. Acting is all the same. I'm being facetious I, I think that the the thing is self expression is really how I answer that question. Now they say, "Well, what's this, the degree?" I acting and the music. I mean, work. Well, you know, it's just uh, it's just art, isn't it? I mean, I paint. I do. You know, I try to try to express myself. Write songs. Um, it, and I've never really followed any pattern. It just happened. At sixteen, I went awful school, and I got a movie. You know, and and. Um, and because I got a movie, and it was such a big movie to so show with Lover City Concierge, we were, those kids, in that movie. this is 1966. So we, can you imagine London in 1966? So every night we would see the animals, the searches, Eric Burden, you know, obviously, Terry Weed, Jimmy Page, the yard birds, the Hollies. You know, I mean, it was insane. There was so much going on. Mary Quant, fashion, Beautiful models, drugs, hashish, coke, acid, velvet, silk. The sidewalks were velvet, you know. I mean, it was an amazing time. So I just did whatever was happening, And I started a band, and then I got another movie, and then I went back to another. And, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's just a long history of going around the right corner.
0: Yeah, and and that's the thing that really you know connected you know me to your music and, and and the art forms that you've been involved with is that you didn't put any limits on yourself and you and you were willing to explore different things. I mean, when you look at, for instance, the music, you know, because we're a music-based show, you look at Silverhead and Detective, and then you move forward to Checkered Pass, and then the music you were doing after that. I mean, it was it was. It, it was never in a box. it was never it was always what's Michael going to do next? you know what what's what's mm-hmm. going to be his passion next? I mean, you know I consider those two you know detective records some of the best stuff that's ever been put out in the 70s and then you know here you are in American bandstand and doing your thing there and, and it's just it's just been so interesting with your career and how you've mm-hmm. n- always navigated through to find what you're passionate about at in, in, in the now.
1: Well, I get bored easily, you know. Um, you know, you, that's why I never stick to a band um, for more than two it, 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 it I don't consider it, you know, at all uh, a good you know, career move. You know, I mean, I, I would leave uh, bands just as they were breaking. Why, I had no idea. I mean, I was a drug addict, obviously, at the time. Um, so that certainly didn't help, but I, I just have done what was in front of me, what I was interested in, you know, and, and what was required sometimes too, you know. I mean, it's, I wasn't faithful to the art and I, sometimes I just did it because that's what other people were doing, you know, and I fell into that cycle here and there, you know, and replacing Robert, you know, in, um, what was the name of <laughs> the power station, but, you know, that was, that was a, a, an acting role. You know what I mean? I mean, it's been a very interesting um, career I've had. It's not. Sometimes I've been chosen rather than choose. Has that? Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I, I think it does. I mean, you the power station opportunity led you to perform at Live Aid, which is you know one of the biggest uh-huh. you know musical festivals of all time. You know, and being a detective, you got to tour with Led Zeppelin. I mean, you know, th- these are things that you know, are just, you know, to me being the fan, when I look at that and I you know, I see you played Live Aid and you toured with Zeppelin and you did this and you did that, it's just been like, wow, like, this guy's done things that many people wish they could have done.
1: Yeah, it's been a really incredible experience which I'm really grateful for. At the time, it's what you, what you have to do. You know, it's a job. Um, I had to refresh the uh and... Six days after I got the gig, I was at the biggest concert of all time. You know, so that, that's a fantastic thing to look back on at the time. Um, it was extremely hard work. Um, Robert Palmer is a critic darling. When I came along, um, shall we say, I was greeted with uh, with extreme negativity and had to deliver the goods. What I realised was Michael. Don't think about anything other than the songs and the music, and that has been my great escape route. You know, just do what you got to do, and you can't listen to critics. Fortunately, you know, it, it turned around in a couple of weeks, and, and uh, the fact that I learned thirty-five songs in five days, you know, was was uh, respected by by a few people. But I don't need respect from anyone, man. If I respect myself, that
0: that the most important thing for sure. You're continu- You continue to make music today too, as well.
1: I got a record coming out in a few weeks.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's what I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, tell us about the record.
1: Well, you know, it's uh, I can't tell you everything, but but I, uh, I <laughs> it was produced by Stephen Van Zandt, and it's uh, the best thing I've ever done. And you'll hear it soon. Is this? And, uh,
0: On May 18 Okay Now is this With the mistakes Or is this a solo record
1: This is a solo record Okay
0: And how was Um, And how was That process Of developing The record I mean I know I mean you've been around For a while and, And you know Music today And how it's Released And how it's Absorbed Is completely different How
1: Oh yeah I don't think about record or anything. I happen to be with Wicked Cool Records, which is Stevie's label, which is, has an incredible roster of talent. I mean, uh, insane. There's Sir and Wild with Ryan Hamilton and, and Jesse Marlin, really wonderful artists um, that are sort of, that are not mainstream artists. You know, they're rock and roll artists, which is what I am. I'm a rock and roll musician. Um, this, um, it's actually, this particular song that we did together, me and um, events, who I've learned so much from over the years. You know, I've been six years with him every day on the radio, three hours a day. So, you know, we refined a really good relationship. I mean, I, I knew many years ago in the 80s, because me and in Chequered Tasset crime, you know, that, that band, we've pistols in, um, Clint Burke, Bondi, Tony sales from Bowie's King Machine, and Nigel Harrison, Keith Bondi. We had to spend a place, and we opened for Stephen Van Zandt. So I've known him a very long time, but over the years, he has become this incredible producer, writer, you know, too. So I've really listened to him, watched what he does. He's, you know, overseen a lot of my last few massive music, and we got to collaborate on this, this. One that's coming out soon, and it's just—I feel so good about it. So good about it. Yeah, I feel so good about it that I don't care if anybody else likes it. How's that?
0: Well, that's yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, that's that's where the artistic freedom comes in. You know, I mean, I'm a huge fan of of, you know of of Jesse Malin as well. He's put out some great records over the years. One of my favorite singer-songwriters, and you know, he does his own thing. He walks to his own beat. You know, he doesn't care whether. You know, five million people buy it, or five hundred people buy it. You know, he's going to make the record that he wants to make.
1: Well, I think in this age, you've got to pretty much stick with the five hundred. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, right, absolutely.
1: <laughs> you know, which means that you should just play what you want because there's no notice records except that it's worth, you know. And so, which is fine, I think she's great, but it's a different world to see. God you're going to really get some of right, you're play where you wanna play. You can't play. I mean, you think people are gonna dig. Inevitably they will not. You know. so that's what I've done and you know, I, I did a cover of a song that's gonna blow your mind. And it's um and you know, it's it's very satisfying. I I'm very sad I'm more satisfied today, um than I was at once alleged heyday. Why do you think that is? Because I've learned to let go of a lot of of stuff, which is desperation and desire and need to be loved. Um, As a consequence of one's fucked up childhood. (laughs) Um, And I I don't need approbation or, uh, you know, uh, somebody sort of underscoring the fact that I'm fabulous. You know, I know who I am. And uh, I know what I want to do, and I do it. And if people love it, it's fantastic being It's wonderful, but it's not top of the list.
0: You know, there's something to be said about becoming comfortable in your own skin, comfortable in your own shoes. You know, and when the person does that, you know, that really is the enlightenment that people need. You know, when you're not, when you stop trying to impress people, or like you said, desperation or. You have the wants, the wants to be liked, the wants to be loved. When you are, when you love yourself and you like yourself and you become comfortable with yourself, you truly become, you know, the person that you were meant to be.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, all of that is true. I, I have such respect for this because for a million reasons, and they're all pretty obvious. But the fact that um, longe- I, I, I suddenly thought the other day, you know what? Longevity is the new black. If you've got somebody of Nick's age, Keith's age, and Sir Paul's age, and they're out there and they're doing it because they love it, that is a really educative thing for me to see broad and people out there playing and singing because they love it. Now, some of those artists, you know, perhaps aren't at their peak anymore. It really doesn't matter, does it? You know, what matters is if Paul McCartney goes out there and sings Hey, you." people are going to go insane because it will spark their childhood, make them remember all the lonely people, make them understand how beautiful the Beatles were and remain. So it's not about doing a great performance. It's about the fact that they've existed for so long in and of itself art. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Now, I saw Nick, you know, I saw the stones right after he had that the stent operation. And there was a thing in the audience, and I've seen the Stones many times, that they were so different. And that difference was that Jumping Jack Flash was, was vulnerable. And the audience could feel that. And, could, and he was still this cocksure, peacock, beautiful, frontman, the greatest frontman of all time. I mean he, he invented the the, the the notion of a front man and yet at the same time we knew he just had a fucking stint put in his heart. Now this is dramatic. Mm-hmm. And I think that the romanticism of somebody surviving is a beautiful thing. And that's what I where where I'm at. I survived
0: You've mentioned in interviews that you're not a fan of repetition a couple decades ago i saw an interview with don henley who said to be in this business you have to love repetition how do you how do you deal with that whether it's with the radio show or being on stage and playing the same songs how do you navigate through not liking or being try, trying to distance yourself from repetition it's a
1: tremendous question and the it is. I don't know if you practice meditation or whether you have a spiritual life, but a mantra is repetition. I have never said I don't um, believe in repetition. I do believe in repetition. I think that playing these songs year after year on the radio, let's take a song like right Sitting on the Dock of the Bay by Otis Ray means something different to me every time I hear it. Or it sparks something in me that that makes me feel something every time. Now, there's nothing wrong with feeling love and romance and loss and sadness. And if music if music can, can take you into that place, that's not repetition. That's the emotional. we really you've got a few emotional you know, there are eight or nine ways of, of feeling. If are reminded of that feeling, it goes beyond the song. The song is merely a catalyst for that feeling. So I'm a great believer in repetition. What I don't like is if I play villains in a movie and they get me to play another villain and the role sucks, but I'm a villain, that is repetitive and, and awful. You see what I'm getting at? Yes. So repetition in and of itself is a spiritual thing. You know, when you when you're praying and meditating, you you you're using a very you know a mantra, and uh, you use that to get you into a state where you can really be free of repetition by repeating. So it's a very complex thing, and I don't know if your listeners are interested in any of that.
0: No, it's it's an interesting point of view. I never looked at it that way, and and uh, it's it's
1: just well, you know, listen if you listen to Ernie Rigby or you listen. Sistine Shadow. You listen to you know Nervous breakdown or you know whatever it is or Axis Gold as well. You know it's different every fucking time because brilliance and genius is always new. You know it, it, why do you think people keep going to look at the Sistine Chapel? You think you see it once? Yeah. <laughs> oh, That is really great. You know, you go back to great art, right?
0: Yeah, there's and, always and something new art. to find it. Yeah, it's, there's different. There's differences right. every time. And it's also about timing. Yeah,
1: because you at 18 years old listening to the Stones is one thing. You at know, 16 years old listening to the Rolling Stones or looking at a Vincent van Gogh painting, you know, it's different. You're different. So art is different. So you see some abstract art that the castle did when he was 20 and you were born here. And then you look at it 20 years later, it's different. So. Is a form of repetition by you're, you're going to listen to the same song that's repetitive, but the results of the repetition are
0: not the same. I've always said it's always about timing, too, and it's about life experiences and where you are at a certain time, how you're feeling, what your mental state is. Yes, and you just said exactly. that, you know, you know, like if, if I listen to a song when I'm 16, 17 years old, and I listen to the song now at 45, the song. May have a completely different meaning to me. It may sound, complete, you know, different, and it's just it, that's that's the and, beautiful you know, thing of that.
1: Yeah, and on top of that, you can relive being sixteen. Yeah, you yeah. know, so there's, there's so many ways you But I've never ever said that. Just, you know, I, I tell you what is awful when you're trapped in a TV series. It sucks. That's that's not good. And, and that's happened to me here and there. here. <laughs> That you know, then then you're just horroring yourself, you know. Um which you need to do if you got a family, you got kids, you got this, you got that. Yeah, man, sure. I've done that. You could cool.
0: You were one of the yeah, you but, were you were one of the founding principles of Rock Against Drugs. And last week yeah. I did an episode about the recent study with Mira Music Industry Research Association along with Princeton University and Music Cares. And it was a study done about several things, but we focused on the part where mental health issues in the music industry, along with substance abuse. Now with what we're going through with COVID-19, where tours are being canceled and you know the 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 struggling musician, you know, who's trying to make ends meet, it doesn't know when, you know, he's gonna how he's gonna be, be able to pay his bills, you know, the newer acts that are coming up you know, who are gaining momentum, now have been put on pause. What would you say to those musicians who are dealing with this right now and trying to get through their mental health issue, whether it's anxiety or depression, and, you know, they're trying to stay away from substances that may help them cope with it. What is your advice to them, you know, as we go through this?
1: uh, Acceptance.
0: Meaning accept the situation and, 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 and just respond to it?
1: Accept the situation. Acceptance is the key. Life is always right, Jay. It's a lesson. It's a series of lessons. Whether they're on the road and they're number one, you can be number one all over the world and be the darkest place you've ever been. That's all I have to say about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's a very interesting thing. I know, you know, with the numbers and the statistics that they put out in that, and I know now with what people are dealing with, it's got to be a challenge. It has, I mean, it not got to be. It is a challenge.
1: It's not going to be. Yeah. it is.
0: Yeah, um,
1: you know, and it, the challenge is the acceptance of it. You must accept what is happening because if you don't, then you will turn to something that will numb you to it and that's called drugs, and that's called depression. And all of those things, you know, I've been sober 38 years of drugs and alcohol, and I've seen tremendous changes. But the first lesson that I learned was that acceptance is the key to just about everything. You can't rail against what is happening. You have to learn how to deal with it. In fact, as Bruce Lee would say, like water, you know, it flows like water. And you have to go through this like a river. You know, there's stumbling blocks, there's a big rock in your face, and you can't get around it, but you'll find a way. You'll find a way.
0: You know, I've always said that to, you know, to whether it's my son or whether to to a friend or loved one, is that the place you're in life right now is where you're supposed to be. You know, it it really is. I mean, you know, I know there's people that are never satisfied, and they always have to be. And that's great. You should have ambition, and you should have goals, but you should never.
1: I don't believe in ambition. I think ambition is really lame. Ambition to do what? What is the end
0: result of ambition? Well, it's perspective of, of that ambition, right? I mean, if 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 I'm if I'm writing a book, ambition okay. to do what? Ambitious to, sat- What's the ambition? To, to, to satisfy yourself?
1: That's not ambition. No. No. Ambition is being number one, isn't it? Sure. To win. Well, that's a big mistake. All you're going to do is uh, enjoy it and <laughs> yeah. love what you're doing. That's it. There's no ambition. Ambition has is, is, killed you, it's poison.
0: Because you keep chasing That's after it?
1: What? Because What?
0: Yeah. Because you keep chasing it?
1: Yeah, because you're not in the moment. The only thing that matters is what we're doing now, not what we're going to be, what, where we're headed, or what we, you know, have to have to be happy. That's ambition. That's a real mistake.
0: And if you're dealing with anxiety and depression, that could almost be what... Well, called. you're
1: living in the future. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I want to talk to you right now. I'm not thinking about, you know, uh, being number one or even number seven. Well, usually when you're ambitious, you're thinking about that you're going to be number 100 because you in, in, inevitably end up negatively. about And ambition is, I've is, uh, I, I found in my long life, that it's poisonous. Just do what's in front of you. and Do it the best you can, and love everybody around you. And you, you know, you don't need ambition.
0: Now, when you discovered that point of view, you know, when when that, when that came into you know your feelings in your mind, you know, I imagine like. That everything after that was a completely different perspective. You know, you be learning yeah. acceptance and learning that just take what is in well, front of you. I
1: started to enjoy myself. I to enjoy my life, but not <laughs> I started to enjoy what was happening rather than want to make it better, bigger, louder, shinier.
0: And I guess with what we're all going through right now. L- learning to live in the moment and learning to live with what's in front of you is probably the most important lesson.
1: In my heart bleeds for the people that are suffering um, economically and um, and intimately. You know, they're alone or, or you know, a, a tremendous strain on a family with the children running around. And it, it, it's unbelievable what people are going through. Absolutely shockingly challenging. But inevitably, it will balance itself. Whatever happens, it's going to balance itself out. Uh, that I assure any any of your listeners, it will. There will be a balance that will be recreated. Will it be the same again? Probably not. Is that a good thing? Probably, because it's surely working right now, man. Whatever we've got to be set up here in this world of ours, there is so much strife and pain and hatred and division. That uh, perhaps uh, this this is just uh, conjecture that things will change from the darkness that we are in with the um, the people who are in control of us, the, the corporations and so on. Um, will that will be negated and will perhaps have some peace of mind and joy in this wonderful life.
0: Michael, thank you for the conversation uh I know we we touched on a lot of different things, whether it was your music, you know acting, you know what what uh is going on currently with you, the conversation we just had about what's going on with depression and anxiety in the current state of 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 our reality right now. It was great. I really appreciate your honesty and and uh I couldn't have asked for more., no, that's lovely Jay. And
1: I wish all your uh, listeners love. And respect for each other is the key. Acceptance and forgiveness is the key to happiness, especially in these troubled times.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, that's Michael DeBar. This is Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope everyone's staying safe and healthy. We'll talk again soon. Take care.